Hi, I'm Cornell. I'm Glenroy. And I'm Kareem. And welcome to the Fifty Podcast where three hair whipping, heel strutting Jamaican queens talk about LGBTQ politics, pop culture, growing up in the Caribbean, life in the diaspora, and the work it takes to sustain love, life, and laughter in the midst of all the white noise. We're giving you everything, honey. Get into this mug. We're serving you a hot cup of fish tea. Bottoms up. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, the counting really helps. <laughs> quite, quite. Hi, my fishy family. How Is y'all been? Tired. I'm <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tired, but good. No, it's been. I don't know the the, the notion of a summer that wasn't an actual summer is a weird thing to process, particularly since we are getting ready for back to school and work things. Um, it's already getting cold here. I don't know what it's like um, where Kareem is, but we're, I think the, the shift to fall weather season mindset thing is, seems to be quite um, quick and jarring in my mind. But yeah. Colonel, I'm right there with you. Something about a summer that I didn't do a bottomless brunch just does just doesn't sit right with me. <laughs> so I don't know what to consider that season. Somewhere where I didn't get to dress up in all the outfits that I purchased in quarantine just don't sit right with me. Um, but why are you purchasing outfits in quarantine? We've been cooked up since March. Where did you think you were going? First of all, first of all, I'm a friend, Nick. I'm a friend, Nick. A bitch could dream. Um, we, <laughs> I did buy, like, I was watching my class. I got, I literally sat in my class and I was just like, all right, Kareem, I think you're officially at that point where you don't need to wait for a special occasion to wear some of these things. You might need to wear them um, just because. So, Can you imagine good sis a sachet across the living room in some of our fineries? <laughs> and she did. And she did. She definitely <laughs> dressed up in some of them in some pumps, just saying, okay, I might wear this here. If I wear a bat, a, a, an award ceremony, I might wear this here. So, you know, oh, long just up for the Zoom. Long memory, my line. <laughs> you just up for the Zoom call, huh? So. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> yeah them. You have to make them call, my love. Yeah. <laughs> I'll make sure I position the camera such that it show at least, like, you know, normally I just, you know, shoulders up. No, my friend, you have to see from, like, at least from a knee up. Sometimes I'll turn on the camera. All right, this might get pathetic, but sometimes I turn on the camera and, you know, I leave it on. I'm like, oh my God, I forgot I had the camera on. I run, come sit on my heels. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say, if you accidentally, uh, quote unquote, accidentally got up so people could just accidentally see the outfit. I sure did. I am not ashamed of it. <laughs> no, but on the flip side of that, were there any moments where you were like only half dressed and they get up and people say say half dressed I'm for church oh no <laughs> I'm for church I'm for church and it happened to my mom this morning because she wasn't really well no not yesterday morning she wasn't really at church so she came afterwards to say hello to the pastor and the pastor was like turn on the webcam on turn on the webcam so I turned the webcam on and my mom not Knowing that I didn't turn it off yet, gets up. Oh, the wall no. curses are knighted, knighted right over wall curses and passed off. Stop. 
pizza, mom. Oh my god. <laughs> Oh no. Yeah, I should never say nothing. I say yes, man. Pass us everything. All it <laughs> so That's mortifying. <laughs> I was doing this panel for um, a, a COVID chat. So it's a series that the Jamaica Climate Change Youth Council were doing. My sister Christy was um, the, one of the moderators for the panel. Anyways, so they had a host now. I said, all right, then we only need to sit up the, the top part. I'm going to put on a nice top. I'm avant, just the top of my drawers. Luckily, there's one of my more masculine drawers, so it never so bad. <laughs> it's the drawers that my driven and, and, and Karen always had trouble with both. I'm of man underpants. So when we did get up our runway, it did look bad and not so bad. But if it was one of them lingering, then then would have been a different situation. <laughs> but for me, I've been making the most of I guess the COVID, the, the quarantine and lockdown situation, the TFO, Tango, one, one beach every now mm-hmm. and then. Well, technically, when we did go to the beach, never closed those. Then I go, hmm, me, um, <laughs> Cornell, it's not my fault. I don't have his gravel. Wow. Frozen lid. Oh, wow. <laughs> I said it. The Lego mouse. So, yeah. Oh, go on for one beach, one time. Somebody who fired it up a nice couple in. Well, well, I really gave her them invite and gave said, Girl, you want to go sit there? Church, I can wake up the man in church, like the message come in. I'm going to say, Yeah, girl, where we are going? No idea, no clue. But it did nice. Very nice. So, yeah, you know, you know, one adventure here, next adventure there. Um, and then there was Digital Pride. I'm sorry, come again. Oh yeah, sorry. I said then after we had digital pride. Which... Oh, I heard. I saw. I thought you said digital pride. I was like, oh, oh, digital. All right. Did you? Oh, did you sell pride? That's what I thought you said. Oh no, sir. I mean, no. No one reached this side for all them kind of type of sponsor. They have my fingers crossed. Um, but yeah, I mean, so trust. I think we really made the most of the situation. Um, especially like we did get some mainstream um, DJs to come and Pampute was there and she went with a bag. Yeah. But, you know, Pride is always that big moment where the community comes together and carry on. And I think one of the best things about Pride is at least there's usually like two events where different cross-sections of the community come together yeah. um, and that they ordinarily wouldn't. So we never necessarily have that, which was a bit of a... Mm. But, you know, we still make the most side. I still throw my back on the table. I'm still, yeah, my girls do a little group dance. But yeah, my little apple for that. So um, we're going to recap now. Look at recap of the pride sheet because, I mean, so. And it wasn't just Pompate. I saw some. I saw Tanya Stevens. Some, right? Yes. I was here in the living room. I go on back to Tanya Stevens. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Remember the recap. Yeah, yeah. So. At the start on the, the, the emancipation day, they did the balloon release. But girl, I needed to tell about the balloon release because we did go, um, we did do a little late night event for my birthday, and we did the wedding party for my birthday actually. So we did to tell about the balloon release. They, they have it downtown, and then right, so right on the lane where our mural is, they had it, and then. Well, they've actually released the balloon and so we get the biodegradable balloon and environmental people and they're angry. So we just take picture of the balloon and make that the launch. 
Um, and then after that, there was a launch party, which was amazing because so it was DJ Sparks who loved trouble me online. I mean, you know, I'm a good friend online. So me and Spark, Spark in another dance and halfway through the dance, just because I go over there, go request my song, some other little song, I'm like, right? It's like, not good enough to get the backstory for that song, you know. So, <laughs> back in 2018, we had some round robin, right? So the community have them look around robin. And you know what a round robin is, Canon? So a round robin, <laughs> so a round robin is a little like, so it's, a, it's almost like a party now, but you throw a party. When I hear a turn, you throw a party. So all of you put money every week into the round robin thing with them do. And you throw essentially a free party, but you make your money from the drinks. So the money where you get back out of the... So, so when I hear a turn, you, them give the money where they throw for run the party. So you try to get a little cheap venue. And you sell out your bar and you will get your profits from your round robin. So they're like smaller parties that happen in the community. And because they're usually free to enter, um, you know, a lot of people go. And also, it was so interesting because they were in the most open spaces. It was shocking. Like some of them in a some bar, power road, power like my lines road. So the one with a couple of the ones who got the place, and they said, well, did the party, I keep you, sir. Anyways, girls, no, no, proper, proper, kind of bar somewhere, somewhere. Why did I keep a Maxfield girl? So the run robin keep now. And it did nice. I wanted the nicest party I ever go. I will never forget that run robin. So me, Javen, I still in there with a bubble. One look at Shara bubble for Javen, the old night cash. She decided to so see one money man and now let him go. I mean, I still did with laugh. And at the next, we have bubble and I go on. I didn't. I didn't. I was just saying myself. Oh. Mm. Wait a second. Mute the curry. All right. Mm. I'm not going to I know it comes to that in myself. Karim, can you shine your chin? Can you shine your chin? Sure. Okay. Okay. All right. Great. Stop. We have bubble and I'm going, and the next thing I hear was, not your pussy on the damn concrete. Hey, not your pussy on the damn And the first name we hear it, and from ever since, it was the official house of the Emoja song. So when Allah, we know one part of the song, come on, Allah, we just gather and drop and kill it. So at the dance, at the pride something now, back to the back to what we did there. Um, Javian, we always are leading astray. We spend on the ears and I got requested from Sparks. So my God, my son Sparks, my request to the Kasanya. Sparks take it first they know that I mean one the song. So when she when she, when the song come on, she create one bag of excitement. Oh my I forgot to kill myself and she called me out. Yeah, kill yourself. 
child, you know, I only split for special occasions. <laughs> and that was one of them. If I want to, nobody not to shame me around. Nobody not call me out and me down to farm. Right? So I did kill myself and I did pat my knee and go out with a bag of things and spit on the table and drop and spit and shake up my body and stuff. So that did nice and that was a launch party and the girl then killed himself. And it was, I mean, we develop appreciation for the people who go party after and like do all of the things and make the party nice. It's holy power. Can we realize that when you're down an online party, if people not there, I jump on a spit and go on it and nice. So when are you are your responsibility for the vibe? It's it, it's stressful because the people are think say you must stop and drink water. No, you must start go and go and go and go and go. So although when you go dance, them just stand up in a one corner and don't do nothing. But I digress. So the next day there was the forum and we were discussing creating safe spaces online. And for day three, if I remember correctly. I think it was the day it was the day of service activity. No, I lie. That is not true. Day three was the talent show. And that on the for the talent show, uh, you know, members of the community were showcasing their talents. So we had a lot of lip syncing, you know, dancing and so for me and the girls, we got together and we did a little lip sync number, you know, touch my little mix. It was cute. But what was really special yeah, about, about it. Huh? Not never anything about it. <laughs> but what was really special about that was that my mom got to see me practice with my kids and was giving me feedback and it was really sweet. And it was like, oh and she has to go look slower so them can't see where I do and so and it was really nerve wracking me doing it because Imagine me a bit sexy and a, you know, a full tree for top of mother. <laughs> it was actually, no matter what, just fix it up, little. That was really touching for me because, I mean, when I thought back about it, I remember a very distinct moment where me that dance now on her shoes and she tell me if I take it off and stop going at me girl. So I guess the full circle moment was really surreal. Um, so then doing that in front of the crowd was really great. So that was probably one of the highlights for, of Pride for me. And then... Um, before was the day of service, where so we didn't, we did, we couldn't do our usual day of service activities. So we just donated to Pampute Single Mother Foundation. Um, and then for day five, it was the day for the affiliate organizations to do their activities. So there was a lip sync competition, which I was a judge for. The lip sync and the guan, the girl that killed himself as usual. I, I mean, them did a jump on it. It was very lip sync for your life pull out all of the stops. There was this one moment where one girl was kind of blocking the other girl and the girl did that girl got lip sync and then we just see the girl swish around up and the girl run and get up back and lip sync. So it, it, it nice. Um, and then We Change had their This Side of Paradise. It was this arts-based poetry event. And then for the last thing, it was the morning rave. So the essence of the breakfast party. So we just kill up itself one last time. Um, Pampute performed. Oh, let me go back to the talent show because we don't want to forget this. Uh, Tanya Stevens, good girl, Tanya Stevens performed at the talent show and she had to one bag of different requests. Karen, who know all of Tanya Stevens' um, discography, requests every freaking song which you know. So we did it quite a while. Um, but it was, re- and I, I was really proud of just that we were able to keep the pride vibe alive, even though, you know, we couldn't meet like we usually could. So, yeah, that was nice. I got to stop flat and don't come back to that. 
But I feel like you're bearing the lead in terms of some of the major changes for you this summer. Aren't you taking on some new responsibilities, mister? Right, I'm adjusting. What I thought of it was fast. <laughs> Girl, I'm already making it public. <laughs> so, consider. So it's been said, so Javion is leading the organization. Um, he got other opportunities elsewhere, and, he's, and I want to make it clear, he's served us for 10 years. Um, one, two, three, ten. It's one, two, three, ten. I, mean, I didn't even know it was that long until I saw that. I was like, Jesus, that's so long, Javion. And then, whoa. Child, the original statement with the child did one do was very cut and dry. I'm going to listen to listen to about the girl that needs to know say, your blood, sweat, and tears going at this when you have a partner. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, he he was a, a big part of transforming JFLAG into how it looks now, the kind of programs that we're now doing, the, the reach of the organization, the vibe of the organization, the fact that parliamentarians are engage us, engaging us. The fact that we're building partnerships with corporate Jamaica. Um, people are taking us seriously. People are inviting us to consultations. That has a lot to do with how he has helped to position the organization and, and, and make us think about things in different ways. Um, and, I, and I've said this online, like there are two people I always kind of identify as being critical to me as an advocate. So and I always split myself into the Glenroy, the kind of academic mind, and then Glenroy, the strategic advocate. Tracy Robinson is definitely highly responsible for that academic mind part of me because she taught me gender and the law. She kind of gave me my start. And she then introduced me to Javion. But in terms of being an advocate, being strategic, learning when to choose your battles, um, and kind of also, even in my personal life, just being more patient and understanding and trying with people and he taught me all of that. Um, and so as a mentor, I respect him so much. Um, I, even though I'm a friend, I'm a cousin, I'm a trace him. And also last night, <laughs> there was a moment because, and oh yeah, many don't perspectives on this because I was told I was being toxic and I don't agree. So I'm going to give you an example. So if your friend, so let's say Jav- Javan tells you Kareem, Maybe Javon is not the best example, but let's pretend. So Javon tells you, Kareem, say, Colonel, of one man for two months now, and you never know. How would you react? You're muted. Run it by me again. If Colonel... If, Jav- if, if Javon, Javon tell, tell you, say, Colonel, of a man for two months now, and, you ne- and the child never tell you about it, how would you react? I, bear in mind... So don't use your current situation. You and Carrie, you and Colonel are run up and down every day and I talk about each other every day, talk in each other's life every day. And every every little update what happened in their life, Colonel thinks that he's supposed to know about it. That is the frame. I mean, I've actually been in that similar situation and I was in my feelings about hearing it from somebody else, considering the fact that you and I are like very close. Um, I, I was... I went into my feelings. People told me I was entitled, but I just felt like if I am being so open and you know everything about my life and I Transparency. that kind of relationship, then I'm going to care if I think it's not going to work out. I'm going to know from the start when I meet him. Fear is fear, more entitled. Balance is balance. So yeah, I mean, so what happened was apparently Rain did a run a joke. I really said, oh, Javian have, have them partner. And I said, oh, Javian have a partner. And me don't know about it. And 
it kind of led to me spiraling and then tears were falling from my eyes at some point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it got dramatic real fast. And I had to drink some water to calm down. And then it turned out that they were joking and rated I was toxic because I was crying that I wasn't told totally <laughs> in a relationship. But in my defense, I think, Kareem, you described it properly. You must know from the start. I so had was- who told me who, who told me that they um they didn't tell me because they weren't sure if it was going anywhere. I'm like, not business. Me supposed to be the careless friend where I come to. I'm a sit. Yeah, girl. Yeah, girl. I fight for God. You forget pride of place. That is how <laughs> it's supposed to go. So yeah, I'm a little friend. Answer. I'm a cousin every day, <laughs> like the other day. <laughs> We went from me because Sue is also leaving. So big up my friend Sue, I never get to do it yet, so and big up my friend Christy. You know, that face color friend my have like oh no, friend in bright sun, so so Sue like, is a shaving scholar, she's gonna do a media and come. Oh yeah, I saw that. Yeah, yeah. And Christy I do our doctorate in Syracuse. Oh <laughs> yeah. Up, yeah, up here say so, yeah, my friend in other in other Syracuse now. Um wait him again. Yeah. I don't remember wait, wait name yet. Just to re- make sure remind me. I'm gonna say it the next time. I should do, yeah, do them PhD in environmental science. That's a bright answer. And my friend it's is a school bright. Jesus. Yeah, girl. Syracuse have nice school, but them winter bitter. But I don't know why I go make it up there when I go look there. But you know, yeah, we don't have to make do. Child, but yeah, my friend. Uh, my friend is a Fulbright scholar. So I pay a scholar friend my house. So yeah, maybe you want to show that out there. So. But yeah, we did a <laughs> reminisce about how men still became really good friends. It's because we went to Geneva together for work. And I spoke French, she didn't. So I have to, I was translating for her. And there were a lot of mess. And we got lost so often. And then because we weren't given phones or like roaming plans, we weren't able to contact our contacts that were there to help us with direction. So Jamie reminded me that when the confusion happened, I, I cussed his ass out. <coughs> Mind you, he's my boss. I'm going to cuss him. But all, all that makes sense for them. I'm well firing. I would have no way of communicating people. But yes, that has been the power relationship has functioned both professionally and personally. And I'm really happy for him. I'm going to miss him. But he's really given us a lot and I can't ask for more from him. So why he gone? And I'm gonna say, well, I can make him a comeback. But I am going to be responsible for well, technically I'm already responsible for one half of the organization work. But the other stuff that he was doing, some of that come from a plate too. And the other part of what he was doing is going to the, the director of admin and fin- of operations and finance. So we're leading together. And is I mean, so at some point, if he is willing, it would be really great if we get a chance to talk to him. But yeah, is the, me. I don't know, people don't have to come or, on this one. T- <laughs> <laughs> uh, and everybody has a choice, girl. Oh, sorry. Um, but the other thing is, is it a thing? Okay, I guess I'm wondering, is there going to be another like hiring or scouting process for, or is it just just going to be the two of you for the foreseeable future? Well, we um, it's not for us to decide. I um, see. The board, the board would have to decide at the appropriate time. So, I yeah. see, I see. You're not putting them in. Is that something that you think you'd want to do, like be 
the head of the organization. Oh, I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about it. Okay. But I see. We think you have enough people. <laughs> carry on a legacy and build upon it. Well, we'll see if the opportunity comes. We'll see. Yeah, Glenn doesn't want to. <laughs> I put on all these cards on the table right now, so that's fine. Can you imagine? <laughs> and then I forgot to say, well. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I, I know better than that. It's just going to be a little Come embarrass me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. So, well. Yeah, I have no idea how long we've been talking. There's no time around this. Lovers. It's been a while. <laughs> Oh, uh, right, because we've been off for a while. Mm-hmm. Yes, we have. Um, but so election season is happening in the U.S. Um, how is y'all feeling about Kamala? Kamala um, and the, her VP appointments. So, okay, well, I'm not an American. But, but, but Canada, I mean, the, the entire thing... Is quite trash. So okay, let me. There are a couple levels, I guess. So as a as a scholar, I'm not particularly invested in the American Imperial Project. That being said, I am not the biggest fan of Joe Biden. Um, if anything, I think I was more of a Bernie Warren kind of person politically. I am surprised that he's in the position that he's in after making so many missteps along the way. Uh, From what I've heard, a lot of black folks in America... Okay, I guess there's like two sides. On one hand, it's like we don't fuck with Kamala because she's a cop and she's a fed and she's been putting black people in jade for however many years. And then on the other hand, people are like, oh yeah, representation, I'm about that life, diversity, be there for all black women type thing. Um, and that, that's also ends up being weird for other reasons because now people from all over the place are claiming her. So now, you know, Jamaicans even, I mean, actually, I don't know if people are putting this on Jamaicans or if Jamaicans are disinvested, but now, you know, this whole story about her We're Jamaican invested. ancestry is becoming a whole thing and her, what is it, her Indian? Is it Indian and um, ancestry as well? That's, that's coming to the fore as being super important. And I just want people to think beyond these kind of superficial gestures at representation and think about what it means for the kinds of policies that people are going to make. But I don't know if I'm being like an ass about it. If you're being a what? Like an ass or a Debbie Downer or something. I mean, I think you're being an academic. And I don't know how separate the two are. (laughs) (laughs) And I say that because I feel like a lot of people who take this kind of a position, it, it, it is principled, it is right. But for me, I live in the world of where they have Trump. <laughs> and the reality is the political process did not elect golden boy Bernie, who for some reason who would have done well with academics, but you're a small section of society. And I'm not an apolitical and don't participate in the process, even though political participation is, cannot be reduced to that limited form of engagement. I completely get that. But at the same time, the process exists. It now will change anytime soon. I, it will have at least known. And so the people, the person that would have won favor with you will not be the popular candidate. That's just how the system works. And so you do have lesser of two evils. 
that's what the system will always be reduced to. And um, so for me, I get all of that. But then I, I do have to think about it in the context of, well, you have Trump. Mm. So Kareem, you who have the vote, what do you think? No, I'm, 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 I'm with all of y'all. It's definitely, but I think the, the stance that I am forced to take is the fact that you're right, Glenroy, it is the lesser of two evil. And it has always, at least from my experience, has always been that. Because um, even people be quick to point that even Obama had his flaws and yada, yada, yada. So well, I mean, like, when it boils down to it, it's like, all right, you want four more years of Trump or somebody who sounds and looks like they have more sense and are a bit more woke in their strategies and so on and so forth. So, um, Or at least the cares to perform wokeness. Because I feel like, so Javier always says this, and I think it's a useful kind of jumping off point into the, the, what we wanted to talk about in terms of the politics, where sometimes we have this, tendency to downplay symbolic statements as if they have no value at all. But to me, if a person cares to make a symbolic gesture, if a person cares to be saying the right thing, that's actually something you can leverage. Because that means that if you do the other part of the work, which is to stay vigilant, which is to pay attention to what they're doing, which is to kind of making making sure that there's accountability so that when their walk doesn't match their talk, you can curl them out on that. And therefore, the squeaky clean image that they've been so careful to present, you can contest that, giving them motivation to address the issue. I guess that's still, that, there's, that's still an assumption. But at least incrementally address that very issue, then that's somebody you can work with. Because if you, if you have a leader that don't, doesn't care to look like an idiot, then they will do the things that won't make them look like an idiot. And you can keep leveraging that desire to not look like an idiot to your advantage. To a limited degree, it not going to lead to radical change, but that's something you can work with. When your leader does not give a damn, then what do you do? Right. Um, which is essentially um, what I was going to say in terms of people being quick to dismiss the symbolic representation of just like pandering or... Um, you know, just trying to cater to or just trying to appease people's egos or whatever the case may be. But I think there's value in it. And um, I'm trying to position myself and my work to kind of take advantage of that because I'm recognizing kind of like the playing field within which I'm operating. And I think a lot of people are starting to rep- um, to, to recognize that and we're recognizing that change isn't going to come, become like this big sweeping change that we want it to be. Um, it's going to have to be incremental. At least for right now, it appears it's going to have to be incremental in some um, some places. So we got to take what we don't get or we take four more years of Trump. And I am not here for Mr. Trump. I, I don't know. I just, I can't get behind it. I can't. I cannot. Okay, so I get... I'm sorry, I was definitely a Bernie Elizabeth Warren type. Like I was definitely in that camp. Like I, I, I really thought that he was going to go with Elizabeth Warren for um, his VP. Um, when he said when he announced that he was committed to choosing a woman, I was like, oh, here you go, Elizabeth Warren. But I didn't hear her name come up not once. So I was just mm-hmm. like, all right. 
Yeah, okay. So I get Glenroy's point about practicality, but I think it is, and, and maybe this is outside of the, the kind of like day-to-day capacity that people have, but this idea that we either have to choose between the lesser of two evils or that we have to settle for some feeble degree of performative wokeness still feels really sad to me. Um, and even the whole idea of pretending to care or, or, or cares enough to pretend, I think is more limiting than we acknowledge because Biden, I'm sure, is aware of the things he needs to say to... Okay, how do I rephrase this? There is some utility in people like Donald Trump because at least it's honest as opposed to being disingenuous. And I find that even on the even on the democratic side, this idea of, you know, oh, we're down for diversity and women's rights and inclusion, there's also an argument to suggest that structurally speaking, the two parties are not that different from each other in terms of, you know, they're not. trying to, to sell to people. So I don't know. And in some ways I actually prefer the the kind of transparency of of someone like a Donald Trump. Not, not, I, that I, not that I want him there, but I'm just like saying at least you weren't taking me for a fool. Yeah, but you do realize... Uh, you know, yeah, but this is, this is hurtful, though. Like, it's, it continues to, like, perpetuate so much destruction and hurt um, against a lot of people. And even though it is honest, I'm, I'm not saying that this um, disingenuous candidate might can't still, like, perpetuate that, but it gives you something to, like like Glenn Rice to kind of like hold them accountable for, um, for or like allow them to be responsible responsible for because they want to keep up that image as much as possible. And I think until, I don't know, until we get to that critical mass where we can really, I don't know, upheave this, like just overthrow the whole thing, burn it to the ground, build it back up. It's It's kind of like, and it's sad to say, I get what you're saying. It's kind of like, you kind of have to take what you can get at the moment until we are... Okay, that's, like, that's, that, that's how the electoral process will always ever be, if we're going to be very honest. They're trying like, to change that too. Yeah, yeah. so for, for, for me, the electoral process, U.S., everywhere, there are going to be people with resources. They're always going to be the one that can get into these spaces because to get into representation, representational politics, you have to have resources to be able to, to move or access the resources to be able to move people, to influence people, to get them on your side, to get the number. Democracy is just written that way. So until we, so until if we're not going to have a democratic institution and have a different system of governing, or not, at least not centralized democracy, then we're having a completely different conversation. But for me, if this is what we have and if this is what we're working with, I, I, I completely side with the principles say, in theory, it is better to have somebody who is open and honest. But I think with Trump, we've seen what that actually looks like when that person is not on our side. Yes. And so for me, and I think because the presumption is, is that person will be on our side. But the reality is, Mm-mm. based on the numbers game of democracy, they will never be. Because mm-hmm. Bernie proves it, he lost twice. Mm-hmm. When that person that is on that other side that is open and honest and will do the things they say and they will say the right things, that won't work out for us because 
those of us who think this way are in the minority and, and the reality is probably will always be. And so you will you have to kind of it will always be the the mid the middle of the road person who who has to cater to both sides inevitably. You're gonna have to work with it and tug him along. And I think what often happens is that the masses, some of us included, we get we we take the positive statement as all that they need to do. So they, they do the symbolic thing. I would think, oh, it ends there. For me, it will never be that. I, I maintain a healthy distrust of government no matter who is in it. And so for me, you saying X doesn't mean you mean X. You saying X means you said X. So if you do anything but X, you are a liar. And I would, t- I would call you a liar at the appropriate time so that the power that you care about having becomes endangered. So that's mm-hmm. what it is for me. That I can I can have a basis to call you a liar. You can't call Trump a liar, no. Because even if you call him a liar, he's just going and it's not like he doesn't lie, he lies all the time. Yeah. But he in, in just I'm gonna shift the goalposts because that's what he does. And so when you have somebody that is not accountable to anything, I don't see I I, I don't see um what the value of them. I, I don't see the value there. Even if, because even if it was honest, he's not honest. He shifts the goalposts based on whatever goals he personally is trying to um, to access. And outside of that, there's nothing. So, so even like the standards that he that even with like the other ones, they will perform looking right. He doesn't care about looking right, and I think yeah. that's what matters. Um, okay, so I mean, the 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 one thing I say is, I just want people to. Not just be like, okay, well, he's not Trump and he's charismatic and because, um, yeah, I, I find that in a lot of the debates or reports that I've seen, it's like, okay, well, he's not Trump, which is, again, a really sad measuring stick. Um, but apart from the, the charisma, I, I just want people to keep paying attention to the the policies that are being put into into. I don't know, into play, um, the decisions are being made because there is a way that charisma and congeniality sometimes allows people to gloss over or miss the really dangerous, messy stuff that happened. And that happened with Obama in some really daring way. Like, he enjoys a pretty decent approval rating despite some of the crap that he's done that people really talk about because, oh, he's well, a well-spoken, good-looking, articulate yeah. black man and i mean there's speech for that too i suppose but whatever. i mean that's a completely fair statement i mean because if we talk about obama's international um his foreign policy framework there i mean there's there's way more to be desired so i mean that's a fair statement as well and i can not that so yeah you have to distrust the charismatic person just but um but i still would rather to work with yeah. him personally so, but, do you think Trump is going to win, though, is the question? I, I, I never voted. Don't tweet. I mean, I'm not naive to think that the same shit that happened in 2016 won't happen again. But I think a part of me is just trying not to acknowledge that or put... I don't know. It's, it's like America is so unpredictable. At the same time, it's like nothing they do surprises me. Which is Like, it's... I don't know, because like now they say he's doing poorly in the polls, and yeah, that yeah, people are switching to Biden and this and the third. 
But at the same time, it's like, again, some of the symbolic shit, or some people might not do it because people might, you know, be Biden, 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 because um, it's what looked, it, it, that's what looks good right now. But when you get into that polling booth, it's just you and your finger, and you could easily vote Trump if you want to, because nobody's yeah. there to be like, make sure you make sure you vote Biden because you said you would. Like nobody's there at that time, so yeah. It's, so I, 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 it's September, but it's still too early to call. Like it's, it's when we do decide from twenty sixteen, from November twenty sixteen, that eight years of Trump will not have. I did not decide. <laughs> I wasn't going to be fooled because to me, he. I mean, you can t- you can talk to me about popular vote earlier one. I don't know about that. Trump is winning because he speak. He has spoken to an unaddressed critical mass of people in America. Um, and so the problem I have with American society um, is its divisiveness. It's the way that the conversation is had there. I mean, I mean, I've been pointed to the fact that America had to go to war to end slavery. Mm-hmm. And, I, and the fact that even after that war, there was no truth and reconciliation process. So what kept happening were continued attempts to reintroduce the system of slavery, whether it was redlining, whether it was um, the backlash after Reconstruction or anything. American society has not found a way to actually have two people on different divides actually address their differences. Uh, Jamaica's done better at that surprisingly for our younger society. Um, we'll also become a majority black and a lot, a lot of the lines on which these issues are drawn are race. But um, we have, at least because also because we come from the British system, um, we have found ways, even when we want to like each other, just kind of still sit down and take it because we care about them kind of something that a little bit more. But the ways in which both sides have issues, it's very divisive, it's very argumentative, it's built on culture wars, and there is no room for meeting in the middle, and that will lead. So when there was a swing to the left, the swing to the left happened, and everybody in the right, if you like, say, they did silent and them upset, and there was no room to talk about. No matter how we felt about their issues, there was no room to talk about their issues and why they felt the way they felt. So now it's swinging back right, and look at what they're doing. They're addressing laws. They're addressing policies. They're pulling everything back. So for me, there's no actual um, growth culturally or socially because, yes, you have enforced laws and policies that force them to do what they don't want to do, but they know the only reason why those laws exist is because your people are in power. The minute that their people are in power, it has a swing back to them. So until we can actually agree that uh, you don't like X, you don't like Y, let's slowly move forward and make those changes. And I'm not saying a lot of the changes happened overnight. They did, but I feel like a lot of times the ways in which change happens in American society, it's law first, which means enforce it on them first. And then after, let's slowly change their minds. And I don't know that that always works. Um, And I don't know that it would. And and I think that's exactly why the minute another government gets into power, the first thing they try to do is undo the laws and policies that were there before. And so that is why I believe Trump will win, because I see that the very people that feel like they're finally being heard now, and trust me, being heard makes a difference, are, are going to come out again and vote for him. I mean, it's, it's, it's a difficult thing to kind of swallow. And, 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 and I know it sounds like I'm putting some things on the left, but to me, it's not even a matter of left or right. It's about 
how Americans resolve issues. It's let's and I've seen and I've seen this in so many different spaces, whether it's activist spaces or government spaces, the answer is almost always let's force them to do what we want them to do. A word. <laughs> I, I get it. I I get it. But I think people are kind of wary of the especially in recent days, people are just kind of grown weary of the slow and steady approach. Because in their minds they have been living this experience and they have been doing it um for a while now. So I'm currently operating in the kind of the um, I don't know, undoing racism, anti-racism space right now because I work with the Truth, Racial Healing, and Transformation Center as like a program coordinator. And yes, friend, to- <laughs> tell us about the job. <laughs> <laughs> and trying to kind of, we have a, a, a current project that we're working on is working with this organization to kind of go over their policies, programs, their structures, and kind of look for instances of. Um, institutional racism and, you know, so that they could better serve the community, yeah, 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 all that wonderful stuff. And even within how we are about to go about, like, how are we going to go about uh, approaching this work? I think people are... Jesus. Let's just wait. So, I mean, one of us is going to have to, like, go through the timestamps to cut this stuff out, so... Cut it out, we're not going to send... No, not cut it, but, like, mark them for, for okay. him. Um, because, I mean, me, they... Look how much people... How much I don't know if I come most in the room, but, Kerry, can I have a bread? Like, <laughs> anyways. <laughs> As I was saying, like, there's conflict even with the approach, right? Somebody wants to go slow and steady. They think we need to do kind of like this warm-up thing where we go over the history and yeah, yeah, and somebody's like, well, we need to let them get a racist piece of shit. And somewhere in there is like, well, other people are operating in the middle of the ground. Like, yes, they need to know, but at the same time, you don't want them running in the same direction. So it's a whole hodgepodge. It's a whole, it's a whole hodgepodge. And, like, we can't even agree on the approach. Um, so... It's bigger than just the candidates. Um. Here, um, so let's move to our last topic, I guess, before we wrap up this. Yeah, I mean, okay, I, I know we've been talking for a while, but I do just want to flag really quickly in terms of not only the American election, but elections generally. Well, I guess this is particularly pronounced in America. America has had close to 200,000 deaths relating to related to the the covid pandemic and i don't think we are as yet able to process what that means for us as a society um well for i mean i guess in the u.s for the for the american society but i think this pandemic is touching people and resonating with people in a way that probably hasn't previously and so i think there's an interesting opportunity or perhaps energy or whatever where people might not be voting with the same kind of uh, mindset as they were previously so i mean 
all things considered, I'm cu- very curious to see how 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 this all turns out. But yes, let's. You're turn... absolutely right. Wait, hold yeah. on, because we can use that as a cute little segue. Okay, come on, girl. <laughs> um, actually, no, because I in our elections that happened um last Thursday, the voting turnout was one of the well, the the, the well, based on the number, even though I critique how we look at it, but the based on the number that it was thirty seven percent was the voter turnout. Um and the only one that was lower was the uncontested election of nineteen eighty three. So it's the lowest voter turnout for a contested election. And I mean COVID definitely impacted that, especially when you think about the fact that historically older people have voted more often than younger people. Um, and a lot of them would not vote, or I guess less of them would vote, I, um, I should say, because of their fears related to COVID being a vulnerable group. Um, so yeah, COVID, COVID will make a difference in how people in, perceive government, perceive um, voting and the electoral process, um, especially. But I guess the thing with America is that they have mail-in voting mm. uh, versus us where, I mean, when I reach the say, you know, our post office thing now. Right. So, yeah. Um, and so, for us, it was a real concern. And then how we vote, you have to be adding that ink, even though, to be fair to the ECJ, the process was seamless. The purple come out of my aunt. I think they say, I can't eat. Um, but then spray spray every minute. So, like, normally, when my purple never spray on my because she just spray spray my mouth, wipe off my aunt's face. So. And apparently, <laughs> the ink itself has like things in there for children. Uh, oh, okay. But, yeah, you try island both sides the other day. But mm-hmm. elections happen. I don't know. I never expected with a child. But get one look a new TV, which is why I'm a book now. Um but it call up the because alright, so once again I was paying for cable without actually having it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah so I make sure the cable box come in time. So me, I'm going to fly along and I'll watch the TV. And I take in the election analysis. TVJ go on with a brag with the visuals and stuff. Them said they look nice oh. and expensive. Listen, I was like, is this CNN? Yeah, I was it watching it live on YouTube. Production. It did help. But say, yes, dear, come, you know, me and they are not friends. But say, yeah, dear, yeah, my friend. Yeah, friend. Oh, and 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 Emily had that you know her her dead face painted what? Oh, Emily got one with us. Well, big up the other Emily in all the day. So yeah, um, it was it was a lot. I didn't expect that. I didn't expect the landslide at all. I feel like a lot of people watching kind of knew the JLP would win. What yeah. they didn't expect was like this win. That people think that maybe them get thirty six, maybe thirty eight. At max, people said maybe them get forty. Where is the people like Dayton and Campbell losing? Where is the people like Peter Bunting losing? Mm-hmm. Stunting. Where is the fact that the party leader Peter Phillips ordered your peep from? I don't know. Well, he said he would. He hasn't officially yet. Oh, them saying he didn't get no, no, he no, but he as in no, he on the on, on the election night. So he did send out a release saying he would resign. So that has been made clear. So it got up in due Which is like dumb timing, but whatever. No, 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 no. I mean no, even after after I'm losing did say I will resign, I'll just oh, hold oh, over oh, until oh. a new leader is selected I board. see. Yeah. Um it Bujudata almost uh, give my run for money, you know? Hmm. I was on the wind, PRC by what 12, 14, C, 12, an eyelash, by an eyelash. 
couple more seats at him, but I sure to go to magisterial recount. Yes. It never looked we cannot mean losing seat. The wall on the western side of Jamaica where they pull up here, pull up Westmanland, which was PMP country. God. Jamaica won fast enough. Fenton Ferguson lose him seat. I was you should have scared all my Indian Guamban. I said, oh, God, I want one. No, it was a lot. It was a lot. And I personally feel like, I mean, to me, in our system, the opposition is really necessary of yeah. a critical function. And I, and I hope that the PMP will really look into itself um, and kind of recognize where they went wrong. I feel like a lot of people felt like they don't listen to critique. They don't, they kind of, there's, there was no there was no introspection between their previous loss and this one. And no mm-hmm. matter what anybody tried to say, well, you're focusing on the wrong things. You're using the same old tactics. You're, these are opportunities that you're missing. And it, it didn't seem like anybody was listening. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, so, you know. So just a couple of things to offer. Um, I really hope that at some point in the near future, uh, Jamaica, the Jamaican electorate election system will be able to offer a demographic breakdown the way that the U.S. does because mm. in, in terms of like age and gender and race and so on, because I think that'll be really interesting because you were talking about this idea of, you know, older folks voting more often. And one of the things I saw on Twitter was that, you know, the, I, I guess the generation that was implied by the tweet would be millennials. And there was this idea that millennials aren't the type to be voting just because your family has been voting PNP or GLP for however many generations. They're actually going to be looking at the message. You're going to be looking at competency. They're going to be looking at performance. And so the rules that politicians have been playing by for however long, those won't that that's not going to to fly mm-hmm. um but i think they can do those kinds of breakouts now actually oh can they i, I think i'd have to check back but based on so based on the information that goes into the voters list um for, to, well, for you to, to register on the voters list they at least would have age well, they definitely have location but they would at least have age and gender well sex necessarily gender but they would le- at least have age and sex and um, maybe race, I think. So I think how um, I, I know that there was like a commitment not to use some of the information for certain purposes because you know, so they don't they won't use it for a census purposes. So okay. maybe that would be the challenge. So yeah, yeah but they but do, it, yeah. No, I'm just okay. curious to see what what the turnout was like among among millennials specifically. Uh, mm-hmm. I was also talking to this other friend of mine and he was saying how one of the smartest things that the GLP did in the in the past few years was basically use a lot of the ideas that the PNP put forward in their previous election and so the PNP really can't you know uh, spit out those ideas because it was kind of their idea. I mean I was following the election that closely I don't know what these ideas are but what I was going to say was I also think the political, I don't know, I don't know if it's ideology per se, but my understanding of when the GLP and the PNP were created, they were they were created in the spirit of very specific ideologies about uh, politics. I don't know if it was a kind of like socialist versus a kind of like other kind of, but it would, they had very distinct kind of so platforms. That happened in the, so it wasn't that matter when they were created because they were created in the 30s. It was 
a matter of the 70s that led to the big political divide. So in the okay. 70s, the PNP looked more democratic socialist with Michael Manley and his leaning towards Cuba. And then you had Edward Siaga, who, I mean, when neoliberalism rolled around, that was him. Right. So in the 70s and the 80s, you had very bloody elections, very, you know, heightened elections. Both parties did some, I'm told, devious things to kind of stay in power. Um, but yeah, so it was, I think that the 70s definitely helps to shape, helped to shape how people view both parties. Because you have a manly who did a bunch of social changes, put in a lot of progressive legislation, protected workers' rights. And then you had a Siaga who was very, you know, pro-neoliberal, pro-capitalism, um, pro-neoliberalism, pro-capitalism. And I think that divide shaped how a lot of people um, saw them go, saw the parties going forward, and then in the nineties, a lot of people were pro PNP because you know, as people said, the PNP created the middle class and gave a lot of poor people the opportunity to become the middle class. Right, and so they they created that image. Um, but I I'm allowing you to make that other point that you're going to make here. <laughs> yeah, and then what I was going to say was, from my limited standpoint of being somewhere in the diaspora, it doesn't seem to me that there are those same kind of distinct lines and so people are judging almost entirely on competency and performance mm-hmm. perhaps which is an interesting place to be totally about the same exact thing the tw- like my uncle said that we have two right of center parties working in jamaica mm. both of them are the imf i am going to force them for, for putting neoliberal policies they were going to force them to small up the public sector. They were going to force them to do all sorts of reforms to, to liberalize the market and make foreign investors can come and expect the people to go over them want, and both of them are going to do it, right? So in the end, but it's interestingly enough, now you're seeing the JLP adopt a lot of the pro-poor policies that have been traditionally associated with the PNP. So, so now they're, they're also expanding path and they're, yeah, the building houses for young professionals, quote unquote, even though young professionals can't afford it, it's probably what they might get But both parties are essentially coming with the same ideas. Both of them are the same on a lot of big social issues. When, when we were listening to the debates, they were both essentially saying the same thing on social issues. All they were saying was, you do it worse than me, I do it be- and, and I do it better than you. Both of them were saying that. And so it really boils down to who you like, who you believe, um, and who will take the step there, and what the PMP has working against it, with, um, probably not next election, but definitely this one as well, is that they had an 18-year stretch where a lot of progressive changes could have happened, but didn't. Um, and so now you have two parties that look exactly the same. Now you no longer have the, the image of Edward Siaga, which a lot of people kind of associated with negative, with negative um, values. And so now you have Andrew who grew up Post, who is a post-independence um, Jamaican, who sees you and who takes the time to build a social media following and engage people on social media and respond to social media. Um, and so when, when one person says the lupus is not covered under the National Health Fund, do something about it, Andrew meets with that person and the yeah. lupus is covered under the National Health Fund. And it may seem like a one-off thing, but people, he seems responsive and he cares, and he cares about what you think. And this is why I say what I say, because even from the LGBT rights perspective, I remember back in 2011 when Portia agreed to um, to review the Bogri law at the time and to have 
a conscience vote, or rather have a conscience vote on whether the Bugger law should be reviewed. Um, and Andrew kind of gave a wishy-washy answer. And people were looking at him like, you know, what's tea? That can't work. And then, of course, he's doing that against the backdrop of Bruce Golding saying, not in my cabinet. Fast forward to 2018, when Andrew is now saying, sexual orientation doesn't matter when I'm deciding my cabinet. I think the perception of him being discriminatory matters to him. And so you will get a kind of statement out of him. And we have to remember, even if this policy started under anything, under the PMP administration, under Andrew, we do have a, youth, a national youth policy that explicitly prohibits sexual orientation discrimination. We also have Christopher Tufton, the Minister of Health, explicitly saying that he, that calling for the review of the law and that he doesn't support discrimination on a basis of public health. And then we have the Minister of Justice identifying that law is a problem as well. And so under his party, we've seen certain like things on LGBT issues because they care how they look. And mm -hmm. when the, the Attorney General did ACAMES, she did for quiet though for a little while on the LGBT issue, but I was back in 2016. So now, and then what's funny is that on the campaign trail in 2012, 2020, yeah, 2020 actually, yeah, when Alanda Terlog is in his constituency, he was originally being challenged by, I can't remember the name of the man, it was a doctor, um, and when they were introducing him, they were essentially saying, oh, Alanda is shaky, and when you see the straightness of this man, he might go quaking in boots, so the kind of homophobic undertones were clear when they were making suggestions about um, Alanda, and the response from social media was, what the hell? We still doing this shit? We still doing this kind of shit? And then the candidate was forced to apologize. The PMP was forced to apologize. Um, <clears throat> and the JLP chairman um, of the party, Dr. Horace Chan, who's also the Minister of National Security and has been reappointed as such, said, well, it wouldn't even, even if the man was doing whatever in his bedroom, it wouldn't have mattered. And that is huge. And I do think that that comes from caring about not seeming discriminatory. And that's why I think how they position matters, even if, and how they access the public and realize that in a second. And I think it also mattered so much to them because they knew when they won in 2016 and they never did expect to win, they win by one seat. That inevitably, that it um, end up being extended um, throughout the process of a series of unfortunate events. But a one seat, they win by and magisterial recall did run and then win by one seat. So they knew that the reputation kind of, uh, but Andrew, people kind of like, did kind of like Andrew at the time. And they also know that what they say online matters. And I think they've done well. To, even if sometimes people pleasing can be problematic, they've done well in kind of being engaging online and responding to social media. And I don't think the PNP has, as a unit, even if some of them who do well, like a, like I said, a dating camera, which is why I'm surprised, seat. even though so a lot, they, ha they have key officials that have done well engaging people online, I don't think as a party they've kind of appreciated the importance of engaging people, of being responsive um, and accessible and openly saying I'm wrong and also not pointing fingers. Maybe you can't tell me not about corruption. Me sorry. In the same way that the JLP can't tell me nothing about the PNP corruption. Because the two of them, two of them are big, big acts of corruption with a resolve all now. And so, you have to just engage the people and tell the people and say, well, yes, we're going to address this. Well, we probably can't address this right now. You have to seem to care about what people say online. I have somebody like a care for listening to you or voting in and stuff like that. But once again, they're around.
Okay, so I just have two really, well, hopefully two really quick questions. Um, so let me just get to these through through these two questions and then see what you say. <laughs> so the first one is, do you think it's just a matter of caring what they look like or do you think it's just generally caring? Because based on what we know of the LGBTQ plus community in Jamaica, inevitably there are going to be folks who are either in politics or relatives of folks who are in politics or friends of folks who are in politics um, who are queer in some way. And so maybe it's more than just trying to do it as a PR move. Is that too generous an assumption? And then, I, well, this isn't so much of a question, more of an observation slash prompt. I also want to give space here for a conversation about the entertainment and the queer theater of the debates and the the advertisements. So Karim was talking about the bunting, stunting thing, and then Lisa had her song situation, and I was like, these are cute though. Um, but even yeah, what? They're called dubs. Oh right, okay, thank you. And then <laughs> I was like, I know they're called something, but I couldn't remember the name. But then the other thing is, even with some of the the, the debates. I, there was a like side eye between Price and um, Tufton, and I thought Kamina had this really great line to Lisa Hanna about um, if the PNP <laughs> wait how did it go if the PNP could build a government like they build a story or something else, and I was just like ooh ooh they are reading tonight I'm into it. <laughs> but what do you think? <laughs> oh, the Lord stress. Stress. But um, so the, the the last question, the first question first. Um, I don't think it's just performance because um they've made small steps, and I think in in fairness to both parties, they've made small steps. I don't know how much of it is connected to participation of queer persons, um, families of queer persons, even though it would impact it. But if I'm being very honest, queer people in a parliament long time. Right. Long, long, long time, based on the stories I hear. Mm -hmm. Um, And so... I think so. It's a mixture of them being present, times changing, and it's no longer. Can I remember, you know, they did make suggestions about PJ, and that, and, and expected that to work against him, even though they did still vote him. Mm-hmm. But they did make those kinds of suggestions about him, and he had to say, "No man, need a straight man, and whatever." Um, and so we're moving away from that when a prime minister says, no man is straight, to know where a, a, a member of parliament, maybe the prime minister, yeah, could work with a prime minister. But an MP, a, a, MP, uh, a party saying, well, it shouldn't matter. So I think that we're also witnessing change of times. Um, but I do believe more visibility around um, LGBT people generally and um, visibility of those in certain spaces that may be in parliament or relatives of or re- queer people who have relatives in parliament. Um, those something, those scenarios, sorry, inevitably are going to affect the kind of policies you put forward, the kind of attitudes, but I feel like the softening has come with the kind of general softening in Jamaican society and also mm-hmm. homophobia's currency has, has significantly died down. Um, and 
I mean, if it, I mean, I wouldn't even start with the dub. Then Parliament itself is always a theater. It's always one piece of excitement. It's always is everybody. I try one up the other, and I try the dramatic. Um, especially when you have an audience, when people in you know, the gallery, there's always this show, uh, and it's a big part of our politics. I think that's also influenced by the British style that we come from. That you know, the fanfare has to be there. Like the draperies, the fineries, the staff that have to come to the room, that have to lay down before Parliament can start. Pernell refusing to not wear, to, to keep, uh, refusing to let go of the wig while he was Speaker of the House. <laughs> All of them, something there. It's a big part of it because also they're not so full of excitement. We want you to read, we want you to quips. Um, like when Karen said it to somebody who are presented at Parliament. I should say, keep your powder dry or something like that. It was the word. I wish I said, keep your powder dry. I don't remember what it was. But it, but they know we like that fanfare and the excitement. And Frita with Lisa was about. I'm not telling like it was still my favorite dog. I the Bunting one was the best one. I was like, this is a mood. Bunting, old town stunting. And he, he's out. I mean, he's not stunting, but he's out. <laughs> But yeah, there, I mean, I think that, but I think also, as we've always said, it goes back to the performativity of Jamaican culture. We're extra. We, we're a very queer performance people because we like show and fanfare and excess, and the politicians aren't any different. Train, what do you think? The Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> the What were you going to say, Glenn? Laugh me, I laugh you. Oh. So, All right. Go on. No, I, I close up my hair. Oh, up. go for it. Do it. Well, girl, season three is here. And we have a lot of interesting conversations lined up. So I want to thank all of the listeners for rejoining us for our third season of the Fish Tea Podcast. Remember to Follow us on all our social media platforms. We're at Fish Day Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Email us your suggestions, your suggestions, or just reach out to us to give us your feedback. Um, um, the email is fishdaypodcast at gmail.com. Rate us on whatever platform you're listening to us on, whether it is Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or it will you will look at feedback, you know, all them company, write a little comment, and have a long day, you know, and everybody like, right, 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 something, right, something. So we can know what to see. Um, and as always, stay sophisticated. Bye. Bye. Bye.